0: Jesus is coming and we are preparing to welcome him again into the world and into our lives. We light the Advent candles to celebrate the gifts we are given and to name the gifts we can offer to others. Last Sunday, we lit the candle of joy. We light it and the candles of hope and peace again in gratitude. The psalmist sings of God's steadfast love, God's faithfulness as firm as the heavens. The gospel describes God's love. It blesses us. It is merciful, strong, and protective. It is benevolent and true. The fourth candle of Advent is the candle of love. Jesus shows us God's perfect love. Just as a candle shines a welcome in a window, so God's love invites and welcomes us home. Just as the glow of birthday candles reflects love and celebration, God's gift of Jesus reflects the greatest love for us. Love is also a gift we give to others. Through the example of God's perfect love, we offer love to others that is patient, kind, respectful, and enduring. Through the mission and service work of the Church, we love and serve others around the world. In children's camps youth ministry church planting and bible distribution let us pray loving god we thank you for your gift of love shown to us perfectly in jesus you have given us so much help us to give generously to those who need our gifts help us today and every day to be grateful to hear your word and to do your will by sharing joy with others we ask it in the name of the one born for us amen
1: let's join together and sing some christmas carols let's start with joy to the world we're going to sing verses one two and four joy to the world the lord is come let us sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Saviour. sounding joy repeat the sounding joy repeat
2: good morning and welcome to our Sunday worship service on this the fourth Sunday of Advent where we lit the candle of love thanks to my parents Vern and Mary for lighting the candle and doing the Advent reading for us today it's hard to believe that we are on the second last Sunday of 2020 and I know for a lot of us we're kind of holding our breath waiting for this year to be over But one of the things that we've been reminded of again and again through this very challenging year is that God has been with us every step of the way and that there have been things we have learned and experienced this year that we could have learned and experienced no other way and that God has been working about good in our lives because of the challenges of this year. And so rather than saying good riddance to 2020, let's pause and remember that God has been with us. He's been faithful and let's be thankful to him for that. Even as we think of the candle of love, let's remember that it was his great love that motivated him to send Jesus our savior, to save us from this dark and broken world. And he is doing that uh, even today as we gather. And so thank you for joining us. I pray that you will be blessed as we worship our Lord together today. Quick reminder uh, that we have Christmas Eve upcoming. And of course, That's one of those challenges this year, that we're not going to be gathering here, as is tradition. We are doing a special recording of putting together a Christmas Eve service. And so your last chance, if you would like to submit uh, a little video, a song, anything of your kids or yourself, today's your last day to do that. So just if you're not sure how to do it, just if you have one of these, use your smartphone, take a quick uh, video. Uh, upload it to your computer, email it in to kmctechteam at gmail.com. Or if that doesn't work for you, you can just put it on a zip drive and drop it off uh, here at the church, put it in the music committee mailbox. And that way we can get as many people from the congregation involved in the Christmas Eve service as possible. And I know it's going to be special. Uh, Me and my boys, we're working on uh, our acting chops. We're putting together a little skit and uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. So I hope you have fun with it at home. It doesn't have to be professional by any means, just have fun with it and we're gonna worship our Lord together and have a special Christmas Eve. Also a little bird told me that our awesome music committee and Sunday school department are still working at getting candy bags together for our Sunday school kids and that I think those are getting delivered on Christmas Eve. So uh, parents, you'll be contacted about those arrangements ahead of time. So uh, keep your ear to the ground for that. And a little, a little excitement for the kids to look forward to that there's still candy bags coming. So we're, uh, we're excited about that. Uh, another thing just to add uh, as well, that the Christmas Eve service will be aired at 7 o'clock on Christmas Eve, as is tradition. And so we would invite everyone to put the word out, invite your neighbors and friends. They can watch it at home as well. And let's spread the word that uh, this Christmas Eve service is going to be available for everyone. I would now invite you to bow with me, and let's unite our hearts in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your great love for us, that you were so motivated by your, your great love that you gave your only begotten Son to save us from this dark and broken world, and even more, to save us from our dark and broken sin that has corrupted our souls And that, Lord, through your Savior, our our sins have been paid for in full. That upon the cross, you took the full wrath of God upon yourself. And that now we are sheltered from that wrath. And that we are secure as sons and daughters of the King. And that we have nothing to fear from this dark and broken world. Even though it still rages around us, we are secure in you, our safe refuge. And so we thank you for this today. I pray, Lord, to anyone listening... To the sound of my voice today, Father, that may not be sure of this position in you, I pray that as we gather this morning, as we hear the word, that even now, by the Holy Spirit, you would stir hearts to prepare for what is coming by putting faith in Christ, and that today could be the day of salvation for those listening. And so I pray for this, Father, and ask this according to your will. Lord, we continue to pray for those who, who are in need of daily strength for today. We think of those who are, who are in the health care system, who are providing care for, for many. Uh, and we think of those, Lord, dealing with COVID. We think of those who need a healing touch. We think of those who need comfort from having uh, lost loved ones who are bereaved and, and, and have it compounded by not being able to grieve with family or together. And so we pray, Father, be especially near to them. We pray as well, Lord, especially for our seniors in personal care homes who have bore the brunt of this year more so than anyone else. In their loneliness, be a, a constant companion. And Father, where they need uh, where they need just an uplifting in their spirit, we pray, Holy Spirit, please provide that for them today. That they could still know the living hope of the Lord and that this is not the end. That they have to suffer for but a little while, but that you will bring them to a glorious end glorious home yet to come through faith in Christ and so father for anyone who's in that position who has not yet placed faith in you We pray that they would do so and that the word would come to them even this Christmas season Thank you that the day of opportunity is still here and we pray that we would make the most of it And so father undertake for the needs of our congregation as we look ahead to Christmas as we deal with with conflicting feelings Uh, Lord, about the challenges that this year presents us. We pray that your peace would would guard our hearts, and we pray, Lord, that we would still find meaningful ways of connecting with one another, and most importantly, celebrating the, the single fact that, Jesus, you came. You were born into this world, and we celebrate your birth. And so, Father, we pray that in all these things, you would be glorified and set our hearts to focus on what's most important at this Christmas time. And so today we give these cares and concerns to you and I invite all God's people to pray with me the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. For our offering, I'll remind you that you can again give in two different ways. You can mail a check made out to the Clarny Mennonite Church, and you can mail that to Box 969, Clarny, Manitoba, R0K1G0, or you can bring the check in person. There's an offering box located in the church foyer. And you can make use of that there. I now invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to today's scripture passage, taken from Matthew chapter 24, and there I'll be reading uh, verses 36 to 41, then moving ahead to Matthew 25 and verses 1 to 13. Beginning in Matthew 24, verse 36. Our Lord Jesus is speaking. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Then to chapter 25 and verse 1. At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, "'Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him.' Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, "'Give us some of your oil.' and our our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. So far, the reading of God's word. Would you bow with me once more? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that it is the sword of the Spirit. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. And that, Lord, we know that you want to speak to our hearts through it today. So I pray that you would speak through me, your servant, and that by your spirit, the words would be yours, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. While doing bedtime devotions with my sons this past week, I came across a story of a small bird called the golden-winged warbler. And the golden-winged warbler is able to accurately predict when severe weather is coming far in advance. Well, This intrigued me, so I did a little bit more research. And according to Terry W. Johnson, the former executive director of the Environmental Resources Network, the bird's ability is far ahead of the best weather prediction systems that man has that that currently exist. And Johnson reports that the bird's uncanny ability was discovered by accident in 2014 by biologists who were studying the migratory patterns of the golden-winged warblers. The bird spends the winter in South America and then migrates north to its breeding grounds in the Cumberland Mountains of Tennessee, USA. It was there in the mountains that the biologists caught some of the birds in nets and then attached tiny tracking devices to their legs in order to record their movements for the purposes of tracking migration. Then after doing this, Just two days after the birds had arrived on their breeding grounds, for no apparent reason, the warblers suddenly disappeared. They vanished. Only to then reappear some five days later. Well, this left the biologists scratching their heads trying to figure out why the birds had left so abruptly for those five days. It was later when the data was downloaded from the tracking devices attached to the birds' legs, that the biologists learned that they had actually left Tennessee and flown at least 1,500 kilometers south to the Gulf Coast of Florida. One of the tiny birds even went further and had flown all the way to Cuba. Then after a few days, the warblers simply turned around and flew the 1,500 kilometers back to their mountain breeding grounds in Tennessee. So the scientists couldn't believe the data, and they thought, what gives? What was, what was this all about? Why such a long trip, seemingly on a whim? Well, the answer lay in the weather data collected during that period. For on the very day that the birds had left so unexpectedly, over 700 kilometers away, a powerful storm front was beginning to build and head in their direction. The horrific storm turned into the worst of the year, slamming the entire region with high winds, massive hail, and spawned no fewer than 84 tornadoes, which took the lives of 35 people. And that's not to mention the vast unknown number of birds that were killed in the storm as well. Now, amazingly, it was several days before the weather forecasters issued their first warnings of the approaching storm front that the warblers were already winging their way south far out of the path of the storm. So the question researchers kept asking was, how did these tiny birds know what was coming long before the forecasters did? Well, many theories have since been given, and I won't bore you with the details, but the bottom line with all of the the theories is that the researchers still don't know for sure one tornado expert said of the little bird clearly they are sensing something that we cannot and that's really interesting these warblers are predicting weather better than we can what's equally interesting is that since the initial discovery researchers have also discovered that there are other types of birds who will actually pay attention to the golden-winged warbler and will follow their lead. So if the warblers are suddenly leaving the region, there are other birds that are smart enough to take notice and to then follow them to safety out of the way of the coming storm. Of course, there are also many other types of birds who don't pay attention to the warbler and don't get out of the way. And so they're caught unprepared, and they have to face the brunt of whatever storm that comes their way. Now, where am I going with this? Well, there's a strong parallel that I'd like to draw out for you, and it is this. In a spiritual sense, our world is in the middle of a storm. But as dark as this year of 2020 may have seemed to us, this spiritual storm is nothing new. In fact, since Adam and Eve's first rebellion against God in the Garden of Eden, mankind has been battered by the storm of sin and its devastating consequences on our world ever since. Our world is simply broken, and I don't need to, to list all the ways that it's broken. It simply is. It's not working properly, and there's darkness and despair and sin and death and suffering all around us as a result. And so, of course, the most devastating of those consequences include both physical and spiritual death, which means eternal separation from God. But while this spiritual storm is nothing new, the Bible also tells us that for all of mankind, there is a much more devastating and final storm yet to come. It is the storm of God's final judgment against sin, Satan, and all sinners. The Old Testament prophets repeatedly referred to this yet-to-come storm as the day of the Lord. It's mentioned dozens of times by the Old Testament prophets, the day of the Lord. I'll give you just one example from Isaiah of what that day will entail. In Isaiah chapter 13 verses 9 to 11, the prophet writes, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel, with, with fury and burning anger, to make the land a desolation, and he will exterminate its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not flash forth their light. The sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will not shed its light. Thus I will punish the whole world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will also put an end to the arrogance of the proud and abase the haughtiness of the ruthless. And so here we see the day of the Lord is a fearsome day. It is also referred to in the New Testament and shorthand ever since as simply the apocalypse. In the New Testament, the Lord Jesus revealed to us that the culmination of the day of the Lord will occur upon his second coming. When he will physically return to the earth. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 30 to 31, Jesus said And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. And so the age-old question rings out in the face of this fierce coming storm of the day of the Lord. Where can we go to find refuge? Where can we flee to get out of the way? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because you see, just as the golden-winged warblers have the uncanny ability to detect coming storms far in advance, God's written word, which has been recorded for us and preserved through thousands of years, it was written by his prophets who were guided by his Holy Spirit. And so, like the golden-winged warbler, it has given us a warning far in advance. In fact, God's word not only warns us, but just like the warblers, it shows us the way to find refuge and so avoid the storm of God's fierce anger and wrath against sin. Yours and mine included, by the way. And that refuge is found in none other than Jesus Christ. For upon the cross, Jesus already took the full brunt of God's fierce wrath against our sin upon himself and so if we kneel in simple repentance and faith at the foot of his cross we are not only shielded from God's wrath on that coming day of the Lord but right now the moment we believe we are adopted into his family as God's children and so on that coming day of the Lord while the unrepentant tribes of the earth we already heard they will look upon Christ and they will mourn Because they know they are not secure, they are not safe, they will bear the brunt of God's wrath, and so they will mourn. But on that day, all of God's children will look upon Christ their Savior, and they will rejoice, for their King has come, and he is bringing his reward with him. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, the Apostle Paul was so sure of this that he wrote to Timothy, In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will will award to me on that day. And he's referring to the day of the Lord. Will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And so the Apostle Paul, guided by the Holy Spirit, was confident on that day, the day of the Lord, that he will receive a crown of righteousness and that he will not receive wrath. He will receive eternal glory with the Lord. And he says, it's not only for me, but for all others who love and long for the appearing of Christ, all of God's children. And so I know that when we hear about God's coming wrath, it can often give us the impression that he is only a vengeful God. But the Bible also tells us that God is love. And it is that love that motivated him to send Jesus to save us from the coming storm. Remember, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved, he provided a savior a place of refuge from the storm. Being hidden in the refuge of Christ through faith, make no mistake, being hidden in Christ is the only way to escape the storm of sin, death, and hell. And so as we consider again the example of the golden-winged warbler showing us the way to safety, the only question that each one of us needs to ask ourselves is this, what kind of bird will I be? What kind of bird? Will I be like the birds that are smart enough to pay attention to the warblers, follow their lead, and avoid the storm? Or will I be like the birds who are just too careless or distracted or just don't believe and so stay behind and bear the brunt of the storm? For just as certainly as Jesus came into the world the first time, he is coming a second time. He is. And that day is closer now than it was yesterday. It's always drawing closer, my friends. It is inevitable. And we don't know how much time is left, but we know it's, it's drawing closer and closer, shorter and shorter with every passing day. So are you ready? Are you ready? Am I ready? Are we ready? Now, consider for a moment that the meaning of the word Advent, we've been marking the four Advent Sundays. So, the, the word Advent itself has a meaning. Most of you probably know this, some of you won't. The word Advent means arrival or coming. So, Advent means arrival or coming. So, by marking the four Sundays of Advent, we are remembering the Lord Jesus' first arrival. Or coming into the world as a baby. That's what we're remembering with Advent. So let's ask the question. The nation of Israel, the the ones who knew he was coming, who had had the prophets tell them repeatedly that he was coming, were they ready for the first Advent? (laughs) Not even close. In fact, even when the Magi pagans show up saying, we're looking for the the newborn king of the Jews, and we've seen his star, they could even look in the scriptures and say, oh yeah, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. But where were they when the Magi went down the road to worship him? They were nowhere to be found. They continuously were blinded and rejected their own Messiah, the one who they knew was coming, even knew where he would be born. And so just as Israel was taken by complete surprise at Jesus' first advent, so the world will be taken by complete surprise by Jesus' second advent. In Matthew chapter 24 verses 36 to 39, part of our scripture reading, Jesus said to his disciples, "But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only." For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now, I want you to take note of this. Though only God the Father knows the exact day or hour of Jesus' return, Jesus interestingly says that that not even the son knows, only the father. However, Jesus did tell us that there would be signs and warnings given for those who were paying attention. So consider that even the wicked generation of Noah's day, one that was so evil that they actually grieved God's heart that he had ever made man in the first place. Even they were given a warning. For it took Noah 120 years to build the ark, and all that time, over a century, all that time, he's warning them. The reason he's building this boat is that there is a great storm coming. A flood is coming, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to wash everyone away. The whole world, no one will be immune to the coming storm. And he's building the boat, and he's preaching For 120 years, this is going on. Everyone knows about Noah. I'm sure the whole world knew about Noah, this crazy man building a boat, saying a storm is coming, when up until that point, the ground was still throwing up mist from the ground, most likely. That's what's described in the Garden of Eden. It hadn't even rained at this point. They're trying to envision a flood when they can't even hardly envision rain. And so they continuously reject the warning of Noah. A storm is coming. A storm is coming. Repent. Be prepared. Finally, when the boat is done, he says, all right, this is it. Get on the boat. They heard the warning. They watched. They laughed. But other than Noah, his three sons, and their wives, no one else got on that boat. Not one went into the place of refuge. And so they sealed their own fate. And Jesus says the exact same thing will occur to the final generation that is alive on the earth at the time of his return. Now here I'll add that within the church, the body of Christ, every single generation since Jesus went back to heaven, every single generation has wondered if Christ would return in their lifetime. And so, of course, we're no different. And so we wonder. And as we look around at our world, at the ever-increasing culmination of signs being fulfilled, even just the one we just read that Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be. And we look around and it, it, it looks a lot the same as what we read in Genesis, doesn't it? It doesn't take a huge stretch of the imagination to believe that Jesus could very well have been speaking about our generation. And the fact is that today... Unlike any other time in history, we have no shortage of preachers giving the warning. Preaching the word. It's on the airwaves. It's, it's on satellites being broadcast around the world. It's on the internet more than ever before. This year has forced us to go online. That's why I'm preaching to you in your home right now. You're tuned in through the internet. The word, the warning is going out like never before. And yet... Is the world believing? Is our world heeding the word? Or, like the generation of Noah, are most simply just laughing it off, scoffing at the warning, even mocking such beliefs? Oh, you're just one of those doom and gloom guys. How is our world responding to the message, as in the days of Noah? And so now the far more personal question, I believe, for each one of us today within the church within the body of believers, is this. Does his church believe it? Does his church believe that he's coming back? Are Christians today ready and watching for his return? And of equal importance, have we spiritually equipped ourselves with the armor of God, And are we preparing ourselves and our children to keep fighting the good fight of faith and to persevere through the ever-increasing labor pains of the earth that Jesus forewarned us would be ever-increasing prior to his return? Are we armoring up? Are we engaging in the battle? Are we prepared? Perhaps the best summary of those labor pains of the last days comes from the Apostle Paul, who wrote to Timothy, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Then he goes on to list a bunch of things, but just that summation, there will be terrible times in the last days. Now listen to how Jesus described what the situation will be like at the time of his return in Matthew 25 and verses 1 to 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps Now, I want you to take note of uh, of the centerpiece of this story. The centerpiece is the groom, the center of attention. Now, remember, in the patriarchal male-dominated society of Jesus' day, that was the way of life. Whereas in our society today, when you come to a wedding, it's principally the bride who is the center of attention. Everyone stands when she enters the room. Everyone stares, you know, at the beautiful dress that she's wearing. You know, the groom in our, in our society is just that sweaty guy next to the preacher. You know, he's, he's the guy just lucky enough to have won this beautiful bride. But in Jesus' day, it was the groom for whom everyone waited with bated breath. And part of the wedding celebration was a feast that followed the actual ceremony. In fact, the the feast could go on for many days. And that is what Jesus is speaking of here. It was traditional for the bridesmaids to wait at home together for the bridegroom to come and bring them to the wedding feast. Another part of the tradition was for the bridegroom to negotiate with the bride's family about a gift to give them in return for their daughter. This would be considered part of the dowry, part of the tradition. And so this could often cause a delay in the wedding feast while the the groom and the parents are negotiating. Now in Jesus' story, the bridesmaids are waiting through just such a delay. They were not uncommon. And so his listeners would have immediately understand, understood the context. And so in this delay, they're, they're waiting, they're getting impatient. He's taking his sweet time. Hurry up already. Five of them, all this time of waiting, have not gotten prepared. They don't have oil for their lamps. And so five of them, however, are ready. They're prepared. They have the extra oil they need. The foolish ones, their procrastination, their, their laziness, whatever the reason was, it caused embarrassment when the brew, when the groom finally arrives. And then they have to run to the store, to the merchant, for more oil. But the problem was that when they returned and sought entrance to the feast, they were considered no different Than others with no invitation. The feast had begun and the door was shut, locked. And so, though they had been initially invited, they missed their chance. The invitation had expired, it was too late. And the bridegroom says, I don't know you. And Jesus says, His return will be just like that. But I want you to take note that in this parable, he is talking not about the world, but about the kingdom of heaven. He says the kingdom of heaven will be like, and then he tells this story. Now there's some debate as to what exactly Jesus meant by saying the kingdom of heaven will be like, but I believe the straightforward meaning of Jesus' words in this parable is that there will be those inside the kingdom, meaning those within the church, who profess faith in Christ, but like the five foolish bridesmaids will be caught unprepared for the Lord's return. Now, what are the implications of being unprepared? Well, according to the story, they are serious and potentially fatal. Read verses 11 to 12 one more time. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. You may well have noticed the echo of Jesus' words from Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, where he tells his disciples that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Enter, entry, the door is shut. I do not know you. And that even when the people who are said, you know, Lord, Lord, we want in, they will be, and then they list all the things that they had done for him, all their good deeds. And then Jesus says, I will say to them plainly, I never knew you depart from me. Now there is always a fine line to walk here between salvation by grace or salvation by works. So let me be as clear as I possibly can. The invitation to the wedding banquet is a free gift of God's grace. It cannot be earned by our good works, period. So so don't even go down that road. This is a gift of grace. The invitation, it is not earned. It is not merited. It is a gift, and and that's the only way that it can be received is as a gift, and we receive it by faith. However, the evidence of whether or not we have actually received God's wedding invitation— the evidence is by our obedience to Christ's commands, our obedience. So for the five foolish virgins who had no extra oil, the obedience was be prepared, have oil, and they didn't. They failed to do that. 1 John 2 verse 4 says, whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. So the five foolish bridesmaids' actions revealed the true conditions of their hearts. They were unprepared to meet the bridegroom. Unprepared, meaning they did not truly know him. But on the other hand, the five wise bridesmaids' actions also revealed the true condition of their hearts. They were prepared. They knew the bridegroom, and so he knew them and welcomed them into his wedding feast. 1 John 2, 5 and 6 continues, But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. So listen closely. A believing heart is a prepared heart. The evidence of a prepared heart is a prepared life. A prepared life is one that is lived in daily obedience to Christ. And the reward of a prepared life is that it has no fear that if Jesus should suddenly appear in the clouds, it has no fear because it is lived daily in the eager anticipation that today could be the day that I meet my Savior. So, unlike those who are deceived, distracted, or just lazy, and will try to scramble at the last minute to get ready, or then try to make excuses as to why they weren't ready, the prepared life of the faithful is one of obedience that can say with complete confidence, without any hesitation, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, I'm ready. And this is God the Father's desire for every last one of us. That though we do not know the day or the hour of Jesus' second advent into this world, we live each day as though it is the day of his arrival. Matthew 24, 42, Jesus said, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch And would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. The story is told that Peter I, Emperor of Russia, was a man of energy, great ideas, as well as strange moods. In one such strange mood, he decided to play the part of a beggar in a certain village. And so he went from door to door through the snow, asking for help. And at each door, he was turned away with either a harsh word or simply having the door slammed in his face. Then finally, at one very humble home, a poor man received his knock, opened the door, and then invited him in to share with him in his very simple supper. The very next day, the poor man was utterly astonished to see the emperor's royal carriage stop outside his humble home, and then shocked when Peter I emerged, dressed now in his royal attire. The invitation was then extended. You welcomed me into your home. Now allow me to welcome you into mine. And from that day forward, the man went and lived in the royal palace in Moscow. So allow me to ask, are you living your life in a daily state of readiness to meet the Lord Jesus at any moment? Are you ready? So if deep down, perhaps right now, you just sense in your spirit that you're not ready, you're not prepared, let me encourage you. Don't wait until the storm arrives to start looking for a place of refuge. Fly to safety in Jesus right now today. Don't delay until the bridegroom comes to try to scramble to get ready. Have your oil on hand and your lamp of faith lit, ready to welcome him right now. Don't be one of those who hears the warning, knows the truth of the gospel, but fails to embrace it and live it out in daily obedience to Christ. God has only given each of us one life to live. That's it. So, in this Christmas time of 2020, in the year of our Lord, may you have the wisdom of the golden winged warbler to fly to safe refuge in Christ and so escape the storm to come. May you have the perseverance of Noah to faithfully keep warning others of God's coming judgment and how to find their refuge in Christ as well. May you have the wisdom of the five virgins who obediently lived in a state of constant preparedness, ready and eager for that day of days when we will see our Lord and Savior face to face, be welcomed into his presence with great joy. And so be with him forevermore. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you that all of this is your plan and your design. That though that day is coming, when the Lord will return in great power and glory with the clouds, and the nations of the earth will mourn because of him, we thank you that because of faith in you, You have provided a way of refuge that we can be hidden in Christ from what is to come. And that more than that, we will be received as sons and daughters. And that, Lord, it is so humbling to consider that that poor though we are, that when we welcome you into our lives, in in a sense, we open that door to our hearts. We humbly welcome you in. That one day you will say to us, you welcome me into your home now, let me welcome you into mine. Lord, this is incredible for us to consider, but we know it's true. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, who you have given to us as a safe and secure deposit of what is yet to come. That gives us assurance that we are your children. And Lord, if there's anyone listening today who does not have that assurance, I pray that right now they would come to you in simple faith that they would confess their sin to you and welcome you really and truly into their heart, to then commit themselves to living for you in daily obedience until the day of your return. And so, Father, we pray that this Christmas time we would be a prepared people, living out prepared lives of daily obedience to you because of your great love for us. We love you in return. In Jesus' name we pray. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his smiling face towards you and give you his peace both now and forevermore. Amen. May God bless you richly in this week to come. I hope to see you at uh, Christmas Eve in the service on the 24th, 7 o'clock. It will be online, and I hope to see you then. God bless you.
1: Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins, release us, let us find